Perhaps I was talking when I should have been listening. No matter what happens, you've got to hang on. Johnny, relax. Now you give him everything he wants, you understand? Now let's see what happens when we mix these two elements together. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are now listening to the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome back to the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, I have Jennifer on the podcast, and we're going to be talking about the success of her journey. So first and foremost, Jennifer, had, she was actually pre presented in front of my entrepreneurship class when I was a freshman starting out college, and she talked about her company, Be Free, which is gluten-free snacks, and I fell in love with, that was my first Jennifer, you were my first entrepreneur speaker that I've ever seen in my entire life in person. So it was really cool you coming to my classroom and talking about your journey. But first and foremost, thanks for being on the podcast. And would you give the audience just a little bit background on yourself? Oh, of course. Well, thank you, Hunter, for having me. I, I appreciate it. It's quite the honor. So I'm Jennifer Weesey, and um, I am the mom of four sons. Um, and um, back in 2008, my husband and I were looking for things that we could do to help our oldest son, whom, who's on the autism spectrum, um, really just have the best shot at life. Like, you know, what can we do to set him up so that he's, you know, really going to have this great life. And so we landed on gluten-free diet. Um, and you know, that was our introduction and our first venture into gluten-free. Um, and if you think back in 2008, gluten-free was not that popular. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't mainstream like it is now in grocery stores and even in restaurants. So it was, the journey was long and very difficult, but I will say that, you know, the impact that, that we saw and that he was having with a good, clean, um, ingredient way of life and specifically gluten-free and dairy-free and no junk ingredients, as we like to say, was really impactful. So it was worth the effort. So, you know, we just got busy in our kitchen because there weren't really great choices in the grocery stores. And we started converting our favorite family recipes into gluten-free and into foods that were delicious. And it took a while. Uh, when I say it took years, <laughs> it literally <laughs> took several years to get everything just right so that you couldn't tell and there was anything different about it. It was just good, delicious food. So that was kind of the, the entry into um, gluten-free for us. And then we, um, or I, my husband was in a business with a, as a new car dealer. And so this was a one girl show for quite a while. Um, and I did some farmer's markets. Um, my mom and I, you know, would bake um, and load up the car and do farmer's markets um, all winter long for a couple of years until we got that confirmation that we had something that people really wanted. And then I, in 2010, I made it a business and just started knocking on doors and that's how I got started. So that was kind of a wow. long intro, but <laughs> no, no, that's the details that we want because it's like the valid, like everything that you did, like you didn't just jump into it and then like spent a boatload of money and got a bunch of loans and like went full ahead. You validated your market and then you went after it. So it's like these little things that you say me and my audience can hear that and be like, okay, this is what she did. And you validated before you even entered um, 
the huge broader market and like started really getting the company and growing it after you validated it. So really appreciate that uh, intro. I actually have uh, one of the current entrepreneurship students, Sophia, she's doing a gluten-free, all gluten-free restaurant because she had the same problem um, except in grocery stores, I see it all the time, gluten-free. It's a, it's, it's a very popular, but in restaurants, like she has that problem of trying to find something. It's like, we got toast that's gluten-free and that's it. Like you can't really eat here. So she's coming up with a gluten-free restaurant and that's her business plan. So it's very interesting to see how that uh, interconnects uh, in the Fisher's area. She's wanting to start and she's already validated through doing like um, catering events and stuff like that, nice. starting off small to eventually have that restaurant. So um, I'm sure she's listening. So she's definitely going to love this episode. Um with having your company for 12 years, what are some big problems that you came across and how did you overcome those problems? Well, I thinking back in the early days, one of the issues was just um, learning how the industry works because I didn't come from this background. So um, I have a degree from uh, Ball State, um, fashion merchandising and marketing. And so, you know, that was my, those are my earlier days experience and um, in education. So the food business was brand new to me. And so I was learning as I, as I was going along and, and, you know, took a lot of hard knocks because I didn't know certain things. And so, you know, getting started, I, I just, education, um, knowing the ins and outs of the CPG industry, which is consumer packaged goods industry, um, was difficult. There was, there was a lot, there was a lot to learn. So that was, that was a big challenge. And so one way that I overcame that was I, you know, tried to surround myself with people and tried to, and made relationships with as many experts as I could so that I could learn from them. And, um, so that was, that was one thing for sure. And, you know, another part is, um, capital, you know, there's a lot of capital, um, involved in starting a, a food business, especially just because the way, uh, the industry works and, you know, you get paid, but you still, um, you know, you still need to ship your product. So often the, there, there's a little, uh, a ta little tango that you do between the time that you get paid and the time, you know, you ship out your next um, purchase order. So that can be a little tricky and very challenging. And um, so, you know, those are just, you know, I, I would say uh, surrounding myself uh, around people um, and pros that are a couple steps ahead of me that had been in the business a little bit longer. Um, you know, we brought in um, my husband who has um, experience as a new car dealer, which is like, you know, five businesses under one roof. <laughs> so he definitely has a skill set that I don't have. And so we're very complimentary to each other um, in running a business together. So, you know, in hiring to my weaknesses, um, we brought in a CFO um, who is a finance pro and, um, you know, and that's kind of how we've been growing um, one step at a time, one employee at a time. So that's awesome. And how many employees are on the team currently with uh, Be Free? So we're we're lean and mean, I like to say uh, there's five mm. of us. So there's just five of us and we make a lot happen. Um, we, you know, 
more than, you know, multiple years in a row um, have earned over a million dollars in revenue. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've, when I say lean and mean, that's, you know, when you think about all that needs to happen in order for that uh, kind of revenue to, to occur, it's a lot. So we're um, very focused, really passionate um, about what we do. And we're, each of us are willing to do more than just our job description. <laughs> so that, that, makes, um, that makes for uh, a lot to happen. And, um, and we're just, we're really close uh, w with each other as well, too. So we're like family. Um, huh. so. That's interesting. I, I'm currently reading, uh, what is it? Running Lean. Uh, it's a required book in our entrepreneurship class. And it kind of talks about what uh, I've gotten from this conversation so far. It's like the validation and then it was, you don't need everything under the sun in order to be amazing. Um, like you said, when you said five employees, I was like, I already knew because you've been running it for 12 years and Crystal Geyer has talked about you and referenced you and is like, it just amazes me that five people can do all that stuff. Cause it seems, that seems like a, an insane amount of work to do for five people, but you guys make it happen. And it's like within the book that I was reading from entrepreneurship class running lean uh, is which what you talked about, which leads me in, if there's five people, how do you effectively manage your day to day to make it as productive and efficient as possible? Well, we have we have some really great tools, you know, and we're really thankful in the the day that we live in, and that we have so many amazing tools in in which to use for organization, um, for um, collaboration, uh, for being able to see each other face to face when we can't physically be together. Um, thank you to Zoom and you know programs like that. Um, so there just there are a lot of tools that we use to try to stay efficient as possible. And, um, you know, communication is, is really key as in anything. So um, Zoho is um, an application that we use uh, for our, that's our main platform that we use. And so it has a CRM system in it. Um, oh. It has a video um, conferencing system. Um, it also has uh, Click, which is a communication within our internal team. So, you know, it makes communication really, really easy. You can either talk through that or you can have a live phone call through that. So it just, it makes it um, convenient and um, it helps keep us connected. We are currently all based in the Noblesville area. Um, and, but, you know, we haven't always, we had one of our employees move to Virginia. So she worked with us for a while. And so we were still able to just really kind of not miss a beat. Um, because of, of all the programs and applications that we use um, that really just, I mean, you have to pay attention to those things. Um, yeah. And it just, um, it, we, we, when we kind of thought about how we want this company to be structured, from the very beginning, we set out to structure it so that we could be anywhere in the world and operate our business. And so, um, that's what we did intentionally. So, and it really served us well um, when COVID hit because we already had a lot of those processes already in place. So, um, you know, it kind of just, it made parts of um, COVID and 
um, you know, being quarantined and that kind of thing, we could still operate as a business and not feel like we had to learn a whole bunch of new things to just communicate with each other. Yeah, effectively using the tools. It's crazy how technology has progressed, like within just the past 10 years and of itself, like I see all these getting advertisement for management apps, like all these different little things like reminder on your iPhone. There's like so many different things that help you personally um, and beyond with a company definitely can go far with tools. Uh, That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that application we were talking about. Um, And where, because I could have sworn I've seen, uh, I've definitely seen Be Free in various stores. Distribution wise, what uh, stores are you in or like places are you around for the audience if they're wanting to try the product out? Yeah, of course. So we're in about 2000 stores um, in every state of the United States. And then um, some of the major retailers that you can find Warrior Mix, uh, Kroger, Meyer, Whole Foods. Um, uh, gosh, John a blank. Um, Fred Meyer. So those are some, these are some of the retailers Mm -hmm. that are under the Kroger banner um, out in the West. Also um, King Supers, Dillon's, Ralph's, um, Hy-Vee, which is a grocery um, based in Iowa and um, Market District in Indiana, Ohio and parts of Pennsylvania. And um, those are, those are the major retailers that we're in right now. Did I mention Target? Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we have some amazing, um, expansion plans for this year, Amazon, uh, of course, you can buy our product on Amazon as well, as well as our website, which is, um, befreegf.com. And, um, you know, we're expanding into other segments of, um, of retail, like convenience stores, um, we're in the airport um, in five different That's locations, where I saw it. Indianapolis airport. Oh, good. And so, you know, we're looking um, to expand through um, other airports throughout the country, uh, as well as um, what else? Um, universities, um, venues, you know, we'd love to be in all the um, stadiums across the country. We really feel like we have a product that speaks to um you know, people who like to enjoy football and basketball and baseball. So yeah, that's just incredible. The list just keeps on going on and on and on. (laughs) How many stores that's insane that you have. Because I was thinking before uh, we connected and talked on, uh, actually, it was right after we connected and talked a little bit on LinkedIn, I was going to Florida for uh, over winter break with my family. And I passed the be free in like a little (laughs) convenience store in the airport. And I'm like, am I seeing this right? Like, that's crazy (laughs) that it's, that it's there. I didn't want to say like, it's in the airport. And then like, oh, that was another product. But I'm like, I could have sworn it was a hundred percent be free warrior. Uh, I was a hundred percent stuck on that. Um, And how did you land these type of deals? Because like, if you're getting in bigger stores, uh, Kroger and a bunch of other supermarkets, how was that like first deal working out? Did you have help from other people or was it a lot to learn on your own to figure out these type of deals? So what, what kind of happened with getting the, in bigger supermarkets? Um, yeah, it was, well, I will say that I have always 
taken kind of the scrappy approach to, to you know, to things and maybe not the most traditional approach um, to getting in in front of a, a decision maker. And I mean, you know, part of that is my personality. You know, I'm I'm just I feel like I'm a friendly person. I'm nice to everybody, you know, from the doorkeeper to, you know, the top, you know, everywhere in between. Um and so, you know, people ask, I'm glad you asked that question, actually, because I love answering it because it um, it helps show people that you don't have to pay a broker. You don't, you know, have to go to a $15,000 trade show. Um, you don't have to do those things. But I think what is necessary is for you to really be intentional um, and to be really thoughtful about the time that you're asking of someone and um, and to just not take no for an answer forever, right? No means no, maybe right now at this moment. But if I would have if I would have taken no for an answer for every time I got a no, I would not be in all these big retailers. I would not, you know, and, and I'll tell you that um, getting into Target, was directly from a relationship that I had with um, a senior vice president that used to be with Kroger here in Indiana. So oh. we formed a, a relationship and during his days in when he was in Kroger and um, and then I just followed him. You know, I mean, I like we just continued the relationship. He went to he went to um, Kroger in a different part of the country and I kept in touch with him and let him know that I was ready to expand. And then he invited me to come out um, to Oregon and be in Fred Meyer stores. But, but that wasn't just because I got the invitation didn't mean that I landed on the shelf. <laughs> it mm. meant that it meant that I got an opportunity um, to show, you know, that decision maker what I could do and that I was worthy of placement on their shelf. So it wasn't an automatic come out and see us and, okay, you're on the shelf. No, it was many, many steps to get there. It was many uh -huh. no's to get there. And um, I think one of the things that served me well is, you know, it, when I run into a, a roadblock and they're everywhere, right? Yep. Um, I, you know, I find a way around it. And it often isn't instantaneous, right? It often takes weeks or months or sometimes years. It took us several years to get onto Meyer shelves. And that's no joke. Um, so, you know, people who think that, gosh, you know, I could just make this phone call um, or I can have this one appointment with this grocery buyer and I'm going to get in, right? It doesn't always happen that way. You know, sometimes you have to go through many layers and many levels of people evalu evaluating your product. Um, and, you know, often, you know, you get a no, um, but asking questions and always being super polite and super respectful of the opportunity um, really can carry you very far. Wow, that's that's interesting i i love that because it's like the resilience that you brought on to not take no as an answer personally although there in the time it was a no you just kept on going and then eventually got the opportunities and those opportunities just kept on coming at you and that's 
that's really, cause I feel like it's very daunting, especially being in um, entrepreneurship and innovation major at Ball State. It's very daunting, like looking onto a business and like some people are like, I just can't do that. That'd be so stressful. It's just too much going on. And it's like, uh, if you're just resilient and put in the work that it seems like from the advice I've gotten from many guests and books I've read is a key ingredient to eventually landing on a successful business. There's like a statistic that's like uh, it takes an average entrepreneur like four or five times of starting up a, a, a company to be successful, like one of them to be successful. Uh, do you think luck plays in at all to entrepreneurship in any different company, not necessarily yours. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like luck. Is it like a tiny bit, a, a part of the formula potentially, or what's your thoughts on it? Absolutely. I think luck plays a part in, into it. Absolutely. I do. I think timing is a huge factor, mm -hmm. um, into how things play out. Um, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, a bit of luck always on your side. Yeah, absolutely. Because I heard from a book in uh, Warren Buffett that he wrote, and it was talking about he was like, although I'm like one of the most wealthy investors, like you have no idea how much luck I got in the stock market. Uh, and like businesses he's made and started up and um, gone through that whole process. But from the 12 years of starting your business, that's just insane. Like, because it's like that to talk to someone that's owned a business that long is very hard to come across because it's usually like the percentage rate of between, I think the first zero to three years of a company failing is like a super high percentage. And then the three to like the eight is like astronomically small. So anyone after eight years is like almost unheard of. And you become like this phenomenon and like, it's, awesome to have you on the show to get your advice and everything. But what was the one of the biggest things you've learned through this entire journey of from starting it to um, now? It, it could be personally, it could be um, anything just within your life. What have you noticed and learned? Um, I think that Okay, so my husband and I just watched this um, podcast. Uh, it was a story that, you know, this guy told, and I'll just sum it up really quick. But it was really about um, this phrase that says it's not a tiger. And so really what that means is that when you're in the thick of something and you feel like, oh, my gosh, like I just messed up so bad and my life is ruined. Like I just I made the biggest mistake. It's over. What you really think is the worst thing that could happen is probably not. It's just probably not, right? So it's not a tiger out there to eat you. It's, you know, just maybe you made a bad choice, you know, or things just didn't quite go your way. But the majority of things um, that I've perceived, you know, through the last 12 years as being really horrible and maybe um, detrimental to uh, my business have not been. And, and nine times out of 10, what happens is it gives me that fuel to keep fighting. It gives me that fuel and kind of that energy and that mindset that, oh, okay, I didn't die, right? The company is still, is still in operation. And I think I have a reason to keep going. And I even have a more powerful reason because I didn't die from that last thing that just happened.
right? So um, I think that's 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 probably that's probably the biggest thing. That's one of the biggest. There have been a lot of big things. A lot of big things is you know keeping your your perspective, you know, and what's really important. And um, you know, those things for me are my family is like the most important thing. Helping others is a really big thing for me. Um, I, I'm really I'm doing this business so that I can make an impact on other people's lives, and not only by the food that we put out into the world, so people can have better choices and good, delicious um, food to eat that's convenient that serves your body well, but also we're creating jobs. So it's a big initiative for us is to create jobs specifically for people with autism because they're eighty percent unemployed. The, the rate of wow. people with autism, the autism community in general has an 80% unemployment rate. And that to me, I just, I can't, I, I, I can't not do something about that. So um, we're really committed and focused on making a difference in that area. So. Wow. That I had no idea that percentage was that high. 80%. That is Wow. I know there's a, a business in Noblesville because I'm originally from Noblesville uh, and my oh. parents live there right now. And we're really close to downtown Noblesville. There's a company, I forget what it, company it is, but they only hire um, people on the spectrum. It doesn't necessarily have to be specifically autism, but it could be a variety of different disabilities and they take them on and teach them and help them and they get paid. And it's just awesome to see. And it just blows my mind that that's the like that's the that's an insane amount of people um, and wow I I really just never rationalized or knew that it's um, mind blowing isn't it, it really yeah is. and it it 80%. shouldn't be that so it, it shouldn't be that so you know it's a community of of people who want to I mean nine times out of ten there are people who want to work but they just need a little something extra. You know, yeah. they need a little, little something extra um, in their work environment or in their communication. And so we just really feel like um, they're definitely um, everybody should have the opportunity that wants to, to have a meaningful job and a place to belong, reason to put their feet on the floor, you know, in the morning and, um, you know, have a chance to earn a meaningful wage. Yeah, Absolutely. What was one of the biggest things learning when growing up and being a, a parent to someone that is uh, mentally disabled in a certain way? What what do you think are some big things that helped you? Because it seems like a lot of the things that you, uh, from being a parent, kind of almost translated into business, like the patience, the resilience, going after it. How did those like to help each other and kind of bridge? It looked like that helped you uh, a decent amount. Would you say so yourself and how so? Yeah, very intuitive, Hunter. Yes, for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, being patient and, and you know, I've, we have four sons. And so, um, and Are you there? Hmm. 
to not underestimate anyone. Um, and, you know, not kind of little cliche saying, but not to judge a book by its cover, right? So just because somebody might look a certain way or talk a certain way doesn't mean that they have, um, that they should, um, the bar should be lowered for them. They should have something less than someone else. So um, those are some lessons that I definitely have, have learned um, from being a parent and um, being compassionate and um, just, you know, wanting to um, give people a chance. So definitely Absolutely. being bold too. And I think, you know, I was, I started this business at 47 years old. Okay. So I just told you how old I am. Um, but <laughs> that's not true. 46. Um, but, um, you know, so I was um, an older um, adult um, starting a business and that served me well as well, too. So, you know, part of the reason I love to share that, not because I want everyone to know how old I am, but um, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a nice inspiration for other people who think they have a business idea, but they might think, oh gosh, you know, I'm way too old. I couldn't ever do that at this age. You know, there's all kinds of people with great examples of starting a business well into their forties, fifties, and sixties. So I'm just one of them. Wow. You don't look a day over 25. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm not just saying that. It, it's the hat, is... right? It's the hat. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I, I learned because I was uh, a pure tutor in high school and it was one of my classes and uh, I had one that was autistic uh, and I can't remember what the other's uh, dis disability was, but it was, it taught me a lot. And it was a fact that like, I think with what you said, the patience that it took, it's like, it's like they sometimes like, and the, they became my friends as well. Like I hung out with them after school, we played basketball and it was just, it pushed me as a person to like understand more and be able to, it helped me with communication and like a hundred percent because when someone isn't understanding completely what you're saying, and then they are angry at you or whatever it may be because of something that a situation that happened, you got to understand like, what to do in a certain situation, especially feeling it out. I think one of my biggest things I learned in being a peer tutor uh, was 100% patience and giving a chance and second chances because they really are amazing. And I've learned a lot from them. Um, what are now kind of moving the topic a little bit, what are some common characteristics that you've seen in uh, leaders that are maybe in your network and a book you've read, it doesn't matter, but, um, you know, leaders that you've seen, what are some common characteristics? Well, one would be that they're determined. Mm. Um, one would be that they, um, know how to make things happen and whether that's, you know, building a team, you know, around them to, you know, help move things forward um, and, um, I would say third is they like change and they're okay. So maybe a different way to say that is they're, um, they're risk takers, mm. they're risk takers. So I think part of being in businesses, um, you know, being willing, um, to take risks and being, I think some of the more successful entrepreneurs, I think, um, 
are comfortable being uncomfortable. Like they're, they're more comfortable when, when they're uncomfortable and, and, you know, things are maybe, um, a little bit uneasy, right. Which always for us is always, always means that, um, something big is going to happen. <laughs> you know, once yeah. we keep moving along, you know, kind of clicking along at a certain rate and then, um, you know, things start to get jacked up a little bit, you know, because, because we're growing in a certain area and it puts stress and pressure on us in different ways. And, and that gets really uncomfortable. And then before you know it, that uncomfortable part is gone and you're at a different level and you were uncomfortable like that because you were growing and you were being stretched in, in areas that you hadn't ever experienced before. So the uncomfortable part of it, you know, really, created the change that needed to happen does that make mm. sense i kind of feel like yeah. i was talking in circles a little bit no no it um, does a hundred percent but i think i've just been really um i've just been you know we're at a juncture in our business where it's a little uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. we're <laughs> we're we have some challenges and um you know we're working through them and part of part of that is you know, being goal oriented and knowing Mm -hmm. that wherever you are right now, it's kind of like being a different, the different stages of children too, you know, they're never in a certain stage for very long, you know, just as a parent, when you start to think, oh my gosh, how long are they going to stay in this stage? Because it's really challenging, terrible twos or threes or whatever. Well, then before you know it, they've moved on and they're at a different stage. And I think very much is similar to that in business and that um, there are lots of ebbs and flows. And just when you think, when are we going to get the big breakthrough? Like when Mm -hmm. is the next big thing going to happen to us? And then it does. And then you ride that for a while. And then, you know, it's just, it's kind of just the nature of business. So I think that um, having that quality of being uncomfortable um, and being used to and liking change and a changing environment um, is beneficial to an entrepreneur. I think that's awesome. So when you are uncomfortable, say you're really, I'm sure within those 12 years, you've had a moment that, or two or a lot that were very stressful and anxious. Like, how did you deal with that personally when the stressful situations, you get anxious, whatever, how do you deal with those situations? I am so fortunate in that um, I get to work with my husband. Um, There's no one that I trust more um, on this planet. And so having him um, by my side that, you know, we know each other better than anybody else does um, is just, I'm just so fortunate um, to have that opportunity to, you know, be able to work with, um, the, you know, the man I love. And, um, Mm -hmm. so it's just, you know, that's, that's really a big, he's a, obviously he's a huge supporter, um, Mm -hmm. of, of me both personally and professionally. He's very encouraging. He knows how to, um, he knows how to motivate me. He knows me to, he knows when to give me that little kick in the pants that I need sometimes. And so, um, I really, I draw a lot of encouragement and strength from him. 
That's awesome. That having that strength and support behind you. And I'm sure your kids as well are like super happy that their mom is out there kicking some butt in the market. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they're the best. I mean, they, this really is, um, it's a family business, you know, and, um, they have so many times I, I can, I can't even count them all when, you know, especially in the earlier days when we were, you know, um, growing and we had a project or we had something that I needed all hands on deck. Like I needed everybody's hands to help me, you know, pack a truck or, um, you know, pack, like at one point we were, we needed our co-packer needed help packing granola. So off we went and we went to the, um, the bakery and we packed mm -hmm. granola. So, you know, they definitely have, have, um, seen front row, um, the, the challenges and the amount of work and effort that goes into building a business. Awesome. And I'm really so grateful I, for their support. <laughs> absolutely. So I can tell you're obviously you're really passionate about the company, family, everything like that. But I'm curious, is there anything specific in your routine when you wake up in the morning? First thing, what gets you motivated? What what's, gets you moving? Well, every day it's that I know my why, you know, I do, I know my why mm. and my why is to create jobs. It's my why, my why is to create jobs for people that might not have an opportunity otherwise. And that is pretty motivating. And when you have people who are showing up to work for you and some of them only work for you one day a week for three hours and it's the highlight of their week <laughs> um that's pretty motivating and um so uh yeah um and you know in my family too you know i i want to i want to create um a positive environment for them i want to show them uh first off that um following your dream is not easy but that it definitely, if, if it's, it's, if it's truly something that you believe in and that, you know, you feel called to do that, um, it's totally worthwhile. Awesome. What, what advice as being a veteran entrepreneur for quite some time, <laughs> what would be some advice you would give to someone starting their business, whether it be young or older, what's some advice you could give to the audience if they wanted to start a company? Sure. So this was advice that, that somebody gave to me um, along the way. And it's that um, if you have something that you really believe in, don't let other people try to knock you off your horse. Um, so because that will happen. And if, if you have somebody that, um, I, you know, I would recommend having people around you that support you, that believe in you. Um, they don't always have to, you know, believe in your, whatever it is that you're creating or that, or that you're putting out into the world, but they believe in you. And that makes all the difference. Um, so having that support system, um, of, you know, people that believe in you. Yeah. I've always 
been told surround yourself with like-minded people or someone you would like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about that in the beginning of the episode about how you were starting to make connections and stuff and which led to an opportunity to landing on a shelf in a supermarket. So that's awesome advice to hear um, for me and the audience. And as we're closing out a little bit, what do you have any podcast or book recommendations for me and the audience to uh, does it, whatever it may be? We would love to hear some recommendations. Oh well, I'm glad you asked. I um, I love podcasts. I really do. I just I I love everything about them. And so I have a whole collection um, that I listen to. And one of I just list a couple of favorites of mine. So on purpose with Jay Shetty. Are you familiar with that? one? Jay Shetty. He was the author of Think Like a Monk, correct? Yes. Yes. I've read yes. that book. I lo- he is amazing. I follow I him on uh, social media. I love okay. him to death. His podcast is awesome too. If you haven't checked it out, it's On Purpose um, by Jay Shetty. And um, I love his positivity and just his outlook on life. And um, it's just, it's a, he's a good motivator. Um, I also like um, Diary of a CEO. Uh, that's Stephen Barlett. That's a good one too. He's um, super positive. And um, I also like how I built this. Are you familiar with Guy Raz? He's an NPR guy. Um, and, but it's how I built this. And, and I really, it's storytelling. You know, he interviews entrepreneurs of all different sizes and all different industries. And um, I just, you know, it's, it's fun to hear about other people's journey um, into business and, you know, the things that have evolved. So I I love that one. And then because I'm a foodie, I like the feed feed. (laughs) That's a good one too, about food and people, you know, they interview chefs and restaurateurs and stuff like that. Um, and then let's see the, uh, there's a couple others, um, outside has a podcast outside magazine, but it's, it's called outside. Um, cause I love the outdoors and nature. And so that's kind of, that's a good one too. Kind of inspiring. Always oh. makes me want to go on a hike after I listen to it. <laughs> um, and then finding, um, finding Fred. So have you heard of that one? Finding I don't think Fred I have. Is by um, Carvel Wallace. And if you've never heard his voice before, he has the most soothing, calming voice. You just want to listen to whatever he says. It just draws you in. So that, uh-huh. that's a really good one too. Um, it's, and it's really kind of, it's not business related. It's more life related and about relationships and stuff like that. So it's interesting. Awesome. And it's cool to hear that you're, uh, you enjoy the outdoors. That's what I'm doing in um, entrepreneurship as a major. That's the, my business idea, simpler living, tiny home vacation rentals in the Tennessee mountains. So it's going to be like, yeah. So I've been going after that and uh, preparing uh, for E-Day, the final day, but uh, it's very cool to hear that you love the outdoors. Target market. I do. Yes. Oh gosh. Well, I'll, um, you have to keep me updated on your, on your plan for that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Will do. Is there any final words of advice you have for the audience? Well, you know, I would just say, be who you are, 
right? And, and try it. There's so many pressures in our world today, especially to be somebody else or to be mm -hmm. like somebody else, or if only you had this or did this, you know, you would be happy or you would be more accept accepted or X, Y, or Z. So I, I think that, um, you know, those individuals who can really get comfortable in their skin and um, really just love who they are, um, you know, those are, those are the happy ones. So I would say just yeah. be who you are. Love it. Absolutely. Will Smith said, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. I love that yeah, quote. I love that too. <laughs> yes. I forgot he said that actually that's on my, one of my chalkboard um, messages, but I forgot that was, that was him who said that. Yeah. I saw it in a clip good on one. Instagram and I'm like, wow, that actually is really catchy. It's a good one. Uh, all right. So this is going to be the closing of the podcast episode. I will catch you guys on the next episode. Look up for updates. I'm going to put in the description all Jennifer's stuff and as well as, of course, her delicious snacks as well. So that being said, we will be queuing the outro. This has been the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Catch you guys next time.